what was not clear? Uh, <laughs> well, there's so many Shastras, and we were talking about rules earlier. Huh. And uh, so which, which rules, or which, how do we, how do we uh, from this verse, you know, the embodiment of the rules, you could say, or the, uh, the uh, way to understand the, the jungle of sound, this is saying that you don't need all these other, you know, there's Dharma Shastra, Artha Shastra, so many things, but to try to make that really clear, since people have so many ideas about what to follow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to mm -hmm. explain, expand upon that. Yeah. As I've mentioned before, Sumat Bhagavatam is like, like the New Testament in relation to the rest of the body of uh, sacred texts in as much as, like the New Testament of Christianity, the coming of the Christ and all, the rule of law and so forth that uh, was predominant previously was superseded by divine dispensation that made it easier, made God more accessible. So Srimad Bhagavatam is, in a similar way, Explained to us by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his disciples, Mahaprabhu, the great savior, Kali Yuga Pavana. His um, doctrine supersedes all that's come before. Whatever is of value in that is contained and more. And he has made with his Nam Dharma, which is the entire focus in terms of Abhideya Tattva of Srimad Bhagavatam. It begins with that. It's uh, emphasized in the middle and it concludes with that. We have Satyam Param Dimahi, for example. This is the concluding words of the first stanza of Srimad Bhagavatam. Satyam Param Dimahi. There, that Namaskar Sloka of Srimad Bhagavatam says, Atato Brahma Jignashu. This is Srimad Bhagavatam. So it's echoing Vedanta Sutra. Atato Brahma Jignashu. We get some indication from this at the onset that what is talked about in Vedanta Sutra, that will be explained here. Atato Brahma Jignashu. Hmm. Or what is it? Uh, that is the sutra. And the slokast Bhagavatam starts. Uh, so this is the opening statement of Bhagavatam. It answers this. Atatu Brahma Jignasi. The sutra says, Atatu Brahma Jignasi Janmadhyasyataha. Now is the time to inquire about Brahman. And that means now, Prabhupada used to like to render it now as human life. And that's good, but it also means that, as he would say, human life is the, is the opportunity to be religious. So it implies, I mean, this is, this Atato Brahma Ignacio comes after a whole other body of literature. This is the Uttar Mimamsa. Uttar means the later dissertation, and before that is the Purva. Mimamsa, Purva means like before, earlier. So the Purva Mimamsa, how does it begin? It begins, Atato 
dharma jignasu. Now is the time to inquire about religion. So the implication here is that having required about religion, in other words, living a human life rather than dvipadapashu in the language of Bhagavatam, the life of a two-legged animal, then you become qualified in time by, the idea is by coloring your human life with godliness, by tying, connecting all the human functions to God. Therefore, all these some stars at different ages and there's the weddings and the and the name giving ceremonies and all the functions of human society are through this performed in consideration of Dhyavanatrena. So this is to live a religious life. And having done that, which is a life that is then guided by revelation, scripture that gives such injunctions how to do that, one becomes pious, one becomes faithful to the scripture, one finds, gets fruits from that, from the religious life, life becomes bountiful, happy, and interest in, and faith, as I say, in, in the scripture is, is developed, and inquiry can then go deeper. Therefore, atato brahma One thing is how to be religious, how to color my human life in consideration of God. Another is to understand the difference between myself and, and humanity. The difference between religious orientation <coughs> and an experiential, spiritual orientation to life. So that experiential, spiritual orientation, that comes later, after Dharma Jignasu. It means, like Arjuna, you read the first chapter of the Gita, and what do we find there? He was a very religious man. With so many religious arguments, he resisted the battle that Krishna wanted him to partake in. Now, we will dismiss his religious arguments, as Krishna did. But the implication of this, in one sense, is because he was, he's indicating that he was really, truly a religious man and a knower of Dharma, not only theoretically, but he was living according to the Dharma. This qualified him then to hear from Krishna, who said, well, you're a fool, basically. So you can be pretty religious and still be a fool. Hmm? If it ends there, then everything's lost. But if one's religiosity serves to bring curiosity and interest in God, more and more interest in God, you want to get closer and closer and uh, brings you to inquiry about the nature of the self and so forth, then that religious exercise is successful. That religious life is successful. So Arjun was a religious man, very pious, so qualified then to hear. So we might ask, well, what's our qualification? And we're not only hearing about Brahma, but we're hearing about the fullest idea of Brahman. So what Mahaprabhu has come to give. Tato Brahma Jignasu. So, okay, that's the inquiry. And the immediate answer from the sutras comes that Janmadi Asyataha. Brahma is that Janmadi Asya. Janma Adi means birth, etc. It means creation, etc. It means creation, maintenance, 
annihilation of the world. That Brahman is the source. Brahman is that from which the world comes. Now, Mahabharata was, of course, taken that to its extreme, that idea, and played that out, as Bhagavatam does. What does it say? Well, not only Bhagavatam, but from the Shruti, there is a famous Taitareya Upanishad aphorism. Rasu vai saha. It's speaking about Brahman. It says, Brahman is rasa. He, sa, is rasa. And he, referring to Brahman. And rasa means, in relation to the world, that the world is about taste. We're all driven by taste, by feeling. Is what's, that the world is moving under the influence of everyone is pursuing some some taste, some relish. We're pleasure seekers. So we see that we are such pleasure seekers. So if that's what goes on in the world, then that must be there in the source. So Mahabharata was teaching Brahman is, is rasa. So rasa is the source of the world. So this is also what Bhagavatam says when it says, Janmadi asya jataha. Therefore commentators like Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur have said, subject of Srimad Bhagavatam, that from which, that from whom, the original rasa emanates. Chanmadiyasyataha anvayad itarata. Anvayad itarata means directly and indirectly. What's directly and indirectly? It means like one and different. Directly and indirectly. Directly and indirectly means that anything. It means God, God Shakti. God Shakti is indirectly God. God is directly God. It means Radha and Krishna. Together they are the source of the original rasa, mukhyarasa, adirasa, that all other rasas, sentiments, experience of sacred aesthetic rapture is contained within. It's all coming from this. The world is all coming from, after all, lokavatu lilakaivalyam, world is coming out of joy. That's all. So, Mahaprabhu is taking it a step further, and we're inquiring about that. So, what is our qualification? We might not even come from a, a religious background. And even if we think we came from a religious background, reading the Veda and all, we might think again. I mean, religious background is, at least should offer a theory to us in which there's, there's a clear distinction between body and soul that should be guided by clear vision, a sattvic vision. When there's a, not a clear distinction in the doctrine between consciousness and matter, this is a rajasic doctrine. That's the nature of the rajasic faith and understanding, as opposed to a sattvic understanding. So we might think again, or maybe have haven't really been too involved in, 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 in at least substantially in a religious lifestyle. So anyway, what's our qualification then to inquire about rasa? <laughs> With the speak of Brahman, what about we're inquiring about rasa? Really, the highest conception of Brahman. That's what Mahaprabhu was talking about. So what do we say to that? We'll say, you know, we're not qualified, but this is a divine 
dispensation. Of course, it's mentioned. There's another way that you can become qualified without passing through the normal course. And what is that? Sadhusanga. It's mentioned clearly, not only in the Vaishnav commentaries on the Sutra, but Shankar also says, you can be qualified to inquire about Brahman by Sadhusanga. Shortcut. So, by association with the saintly person, we become qualified to make such inquiry. If that person is in the line of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, our capacity to inquire increases uh, accordingly. So, Janmadiyasya Yataha, Anvayadi Tarata, Chaarteshu, Avigna Swarat. They, they have Radha and Krishna. Wonderful pastimes. Avigna Swarat. <laughs> He's all knowing and independent. But at the same time, Janmadhyasyataha Anvayat Itarata Chaarteshu Avigna Swarat. Tene Brahma, Hridayavi Kavaye, Muyanti Suraya. So many meanings, of course, to this verse, but Tene Brahma, Hridaya, it means also that he's independent, he's fully knowing, but we have seen him act in pastimes, <coughs> like the bewilderment of Brahma. He means the Vrindavan pastimes in such an extraordinary way, under the influence of devotees, such that although he's all-knowing and independent, it appears as if he doesn't know, and his independence is lost. The gods are bewildered by his activity. It means like when he plays his flute, earth turns to water, water turns to earth, water stands still, earth moves, stones on gold on melt, and all these things. And there in that place there's no any confusion that dam um, anyway, so to our point. Satyam Param Dimahi. So we meditate upon him. And it's we. This Dimahi is plural. So meditation is singular, right? If you want to meditate you go sit down quietly to yourself. But Bhagavatam in its opening stanza is talking about a, a joint kind of meditation, unified meditation, meditation in unison, mass prayer. This is what Mahaprabhu came to give. This is Namsan Kirtan. It is a kind of meditation. Kirtana Pravave Smaranasvabhave. We study carefully. This kirtan has been given precedence for that matter over meditation, or it can be seen as a supreme form of meditation. Later in Bhagavatam, then describing the, the again, Abhideya Tattva, the means for Kali Yuga, Jayam Sada Paribhavnamavishtadoham. It's describing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu coming after the famous Krishna Varnam to Sakrishnam Sango Pangasta Parshadam Yagnaisankirtana prayer Yajantihi Sumedasa. Beautiful verse describing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the, the Kali Yuga Avatar, bringing Namsankirtan and so forth, along with his associates, his weapons, 
hear his arms raised up, melting everyone by his dancing and so forth. Intelligent people, they'll participate in this. Jayam Sada. He continues Bhagavatam describing him. Jayam Sada. Says, These wise people, they're always... Jayam means again meditation. Always meditating. Constant meditation. So what is constant meditation? In other words, what kind of meditation can be done under any condition? Anywhere, anytime, any place. Meditation requires conditions. And it can be done at certain times, at certain places. But Mahaprabhu has said what? Nam namakari bahuda nijasarva shakti statrarpita niyamita smarane nakala. He's talking about kirtan, isn't he? Param vijayate Sri Krishna sankirtanam. But here he says, smaranam nakale. What does smaranam mean? Meditation. Meditation on the name, he's saying. Can be done any place. Anytime, anywhere, all rules regarding meditation. Well, to speak of the fact that there are rules governing dharma and human life, there are rules governing meditation. And they're also thrown out. When we do japa of harinam, this is called nam smarnam. So Mahaprabhu was saying not only nam kirtanam, but even nam smarnam can be done anywhere, anytime, any place any condition, indeed. Through the pen of Krishna Das Kabiraj Goswami, in uttering this verse, Mahaprabhu says, it can be done in your sleep, while walking, while eating. I mean, can you meditate while eating? This way it's possible. So this is Jayam Sada, meditation can be done anywhere, anytime, any place. This is the grace, the mercy of Nam. This is why we put so much emphasis on Nam. And we were saying a little bit this morning, this topic came up to some extent. Someone will say, well, if you're impure, Nam is pure. So you can chant the name and become purified because the name is not different from Krishna. So Krishna's Leela is not different from him also. So why can't I just sit and think of his Leela? You say, I need to be purified and more qualified to do that. But is the Leela non-different from Krishna? Then, name is non-different from Krishna. So if I sit and simply think of the Leela, then how you can say, I'll, I have to be purified first, that will purify me. If name will do, it's non-different than Krishna, then Leela will do. What is the defect in that, I, that thinking? The defect is that, yes, Leela of Krishna is non-different from Krishna. The guna, the qualities of Krishna, are non-different from Krishna. The form of Krishna, Rupa, is not different from Krishna. The name of Krishna is not different from Krishna. But there is also a difference between the name and Krishna. That same difference isn't there between the Leela and Krishna, the Rupa and Krishna, his qualities in himself, between his name and himself. And what is the difference? The name is more merciful. This isn't my idea. This Rupa Goswami has said where? In his Namastakam, his prayers glorifying in Not Name is a special dispensation. And it comes after us. We were speaking a little bit about this this morning also. has an agenda. It is descending in Kali Yuga. Even we aren't seeking it out. He's coming after us. And Name then will qualify us. You do Nam Smarnam. Then you become qualified to do Rup Smarnam. Guna Smarnam. 
Lila Smarnam. After all, again, Smarnam, meditation, that requires some some qualification. It's very very clear throughout all the scripture this is described. Again, take the popular yogic uh, you know community today. They want to sit down and do meditation. I tell them, why don't you sit down and do samadhi? You know, why stop at the seventh stage? Why don't you start at the, at the eighth stage? Yama, niyama, asana, what is it? Pranayam, pratyahar, dharna, dhyan means meditation, and samadhi. So, you know, if you're going to skip the first six steps and go to seven, why not skip the seventh one also and just go to samadhi? To put it in perspective, it means there's some qualification for these things. And this bhakti yoga, you know, it's yoga. All these elements in yoga and gyan marga, so, but they're also present to some extent in bhakti. So there is a progression. There, there are stages. There is a gradual development, and certain things require more qualification than others, and so forth. Doesn't mean we can't think about Krishna, think about his pastimes, and so forth, but. Emphasis should be on Harinam. And Guna, Rupa Lila, they're all inside the name. Name has an inconceivable power to reveal everything. No one can contest this point. No one. What about offenses to holy name? That's another topic. Yes, that must be avoided. But making offense doesn't stop you from chanting as long as you have some remorse. If you have some remorse for the fact that offenses are impeding you from tasting the sweetness of the name, then the name will st- will stay with you, and then there's hope for you. You'll be purified. It's like if you're a bad person, but you but you have remorse, then I have to give you some consideration, think about you, a possible candidate for clemency. We know that. We are devotees. We are doing Nam Aparad, but Nam has not left you, right? Of course, we are supposed to stop. The only way to overcome that is by the grace of the holy name. So with the right attitude, as I say, the name will stay with you and you can continue to chant. Hmm? So this uh, is Nam Kirtan, Nam Sman, Deyam Sada, and Bhagavatam ends. I've given like beginning, middle, and there are many other slokas throughout glorifying Nam Sankirtan. The end. But the last verse of Srimad Bhagavatam, what does it say? Nama Sankirtanam Yasya Sarva Papa Pranashaya Vinasha that this Nam Sankirtan removes all the sinful reactions, all the, the uproots the avidya, the source of all the problems. It begins with an emphasis on Nam Sankirtan. This is emphasized in the middle. It's emphasized. If you want to know what the book's about, this is one of the ways to know. You find that thing that is repeated throughout the book. That theme that is repeated throughout the book. You know what is it? You read the beginning, you read the end. There should be some concordance. It's like if you write an essay. You start with an introduction, you end with a conclusion. And so you write out, this is what I'm going to talk about, and then you talk about it, and you, say, and you see, that's what I talked about. <laughs> so there's a standard way for understanding what a book's about. These are a couple of them. There's about six or seven of them. What the author states the purpose is, what's repeated throughout, and thereby implication is emphasized, what is stated in the beginning, what is stated in the end, and so forth. So... This uh, this is um, the message of Srimad Bhagavatam. This is the Abhideya Tattva that's given in Srimad Bhagavatam, Nam Sankirtan. And this 
is really, if you look at it, is an expression of love. If you sing somebody's name, that means that's what you do when you like them. If you don't like somebody, you don't go singing their name, making songs up about them and so forth. So, you know, it's not like there's a rule. The rule is you have to chant this many rounds. The advice is that if you sing his name, you'll attract him. You hear about this, love of Krishna, is, this is possible. That you can have a relationship with this person. So you want that. So you become a Gaudiya Vajna. And all these other paths to different gods and goddesses and other places, it's not attractive to you. So, so then what are the rules? There are no rules. This is, but we're advised, if you want to attract his attention, to sing his name. That is an expression of love. It says, well, those who love him, they sing his name. So we, oh, well then I'll sing his name. All our rules are like that. They're posturing ourselves in such a way as to attract his attention. And they are all expressions of love and of themselves. Therefore, they are the sadhya and the sadhana. They're the practice and they are the goal. That's what they're doing there in Golok. So we were kind of like practicing how to love, something like that. And really the practice is imitating people that do, in a sense, attaching ourselves to people that do, and then doing the things that they do, and with their good guidance. So if we don't do it right, they can advise us. He doesn't love that. He doesn't like that. I won't attract him. Don't do it like that. Sing it like this. So this Srimad Bhagavatam, which heralds this uh, the, the glory of Namsan Kirtan, so user-friendly, so high in its reach, and so forth, it uh, supersedes, really, everything that's gone before it. This is the whole idea of Sarvadharman Pratyaja and the conclusion of Gita. If you have faith in me, Krishna says, then surrender to me. Don't worship any other god. You don't have to be concerned with all the other rules that govern people in human life, that people in human life should be governed by, that don't have that kind of faith in me, to take shelter in me. Sarva Dharma. He says, throw it out. So what is that Dharma? Sure, Mahaprabhu followed Varnashram to an extent. That was what was going on. That was the, that was the system, social system. He lived in a religious world. But how many times did he forego that? Why did he eat at the house of the Mathura Brahman? According to Varnashram, he shouldn't have. And this could tell, give you some glimpse of how, if you think you understand Varnashram, think again. Mahaprabhu was, appeared in a Brahmin family. According to the Varnashram, he couldn't eat in that Brahmin's house. Because that Brahmin was this kind of Brahmin, not that kind of Brahmin. Hmm. And, and Mahaprabhu was a sannyasi. A sannyasi from this Brahmin can't eat in that Brahmin's house. And i just give you some, you know, you think it's, you know, Chatriya, Sudra, we think the Brahman, the, there's four, there's 400,000 practically, different subdivisions and, of all these, and rules to govern all of them and so forth. Sanatana Goswami sighs a huge relief at the onset of Brihat Bhagavatamrita. We're entering into the shelter of Krishna and we're relieved from this really troublesome, burdensome religious life. <laughs> It's supra-religious, what Mahaprabhu was given. 
The Mahaprabhu ate there. Why did he eat at that Brahmin's house? This is only just one of many examples. Why did he eat there? Because he could see, this person has some feeling like I have. We have something in common. Now, that has to come from the same place then. So, I got it through Madhavendra Puri and Ishwar Puri. So, he must be connected with Madhavendra Puri. So, Mahaprabhu asked him. He said, yes, Madhavendra Puri is my guru. He came here. He ate at my house. Mahaprabhu said, where is the lunch? Mahajano yenagatasapanta. Dharmasyatattvam. Nihitam guhayam. Where is dharma? It's in the heart of a mahajan, of a sadhu. Mahaprabhu is transcending, so to speak, the book on the basis of the activity of Madhavendra Puri. He's saying, in a sense, like what Sri Dharmarsh put in nice language, the sadhu is the active agent and the shastra is the passive agent. Bhaktivinotaku gave more emphasis to the sadhu. The sadhu is not bound by such, and the real essence of what those scriptures are about, that's found hidden in his heart. So Mahaprabhu said, Madhavendra Puri ate there. He broke the rules. I'm breaking them too. Of course, it only appears to be breaking the rules. It's really the fulfillment of the rules, beyond the reach of the rules, where they're kind of just kind of pointing to. So Kali Yuga is a huge, you know, confusion. It's a huge mess. Mahaprabhu has come at a time where such rules can't even be followed, said, okay, well then do this. Take the Nam Sankirtan and do it like this. He says, Nam Namakari Bahudani Desavashakti Staturarpita Nyamita Smarani Nakala. No rules, nothing. You're sure? He said, well, you know, if you want to do it seriously, then follow these rules. Then your Kirtan that can be constant, and that will bring you preem in due course. So, okay, add these this kind of behavioral standard. Adopt this behavioral standard. Try it. Don't look for honor. Try it. Stop looking for honor. Distinction. And well, you know, that's pretty hard, but Mahaprabhu has shown how to do it. Oh, show honor to others. Do it like that. If you're introspective enough and you know, oh, I'm looking for attention here, that's why I'm talking, then you try to make up for it. Show honor to somebody else, something, some way. Humility, tolerance, so forth. He said, dude, try these things. People will like to have you around. Your life will be happy and you'll be able to chant. So in this way, this is really what Kaurash Goswami is, is talking about here, that what Mahabharata was given a whole new religion, and that's how it appeared at the time. Religious people at the time couldn't understand what he was about, and there was an objection to it, and he's giving out the name, it's going to look, Krishna's going to lose its power, what are we going to do now? This Thakur is keeping everybody up all night with this noise. What does that have to do with religion? Partying all night long? This should be stopped. So, this Bhagavatam is like New Testament, and all the Vaishnav scriptures, then, really, so Bhagavatam is the primary, and he's a Gaudiya, so, Kaviraj Goswami is talking about Gaudiya Vaishnavism, really. In his opinion, Gaudiya Vaishnavism supersedes all other kinds of Vaishnavism as well. After all, he says, if you worship Krishna, but you don't regard Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, 
he said, in stronger terms than this, I don't consider you a Vaishnav. He said, you're a demon. <laughs> He's a pretty heavy guy. And then he gives an example. What does he say? He said, hey, look, after all, Jarasandha followed Varnashram. What does that mean? If you follow Varnashram, what are you doing? What's the heart of Varnashram? It's worshipping Vishnu. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's living according to Vishnu's laws. It's like if you live in America and you follow the laws, then you're a good citizen. And maybe the president will send you a letter. You are a good citizen. The best citizen in your community. I've heard about you. Thank you very much. So it's the kind of a remote worship. He might not write you a letter, but he's told everybody, I want you to follow the laws and be a good citizen. So you do it and you know, I'm pleasing him. He doesn't really know me. I don't really know him, but in a kind of a vague way, this is this is what Varnashram, the heart of the Varnashram, Sansudir Hari Toshanam. So to please Hari, that's what it's about. So in the general way it's done. So Jarasandha was doing that. So what, is it, what does he mean? Kaviraj, when he cites this, he says, he worshipped Vishnu, but he tried to kill Krishna. So I call him a demon. He's worshipping Vishnu, but he tried to kill Krishna 18 times. So somebody's worshipping Krishna, but they're trying to, to dismiss Krishna in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, through whom we can understand Krishna as he really is. I don't consider this person a Vaishnav. So when he says Vaishnav Shastra, he's really talking about all these Goswami Granthas and all these books of commentaries on explanations of Srimad Bhagavatam, expansions of the theme and teaching of Srimad Bhagavatam. By and large, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about the Vaishnav Tantra and so forth that all the Goswamis embraced and imported into uh, you know the text of Hari Bhakti Vilas, for example. They give us uh, some Sadachar ideas for good behavior and so forth. So he says, yeah, in Kali Yuga, this is it. You, you adhere to the Vaishnav Shastras. And some people, they say, well, it's not Shastra, Chaitanya Charitamrita. That's your book. That's true, but who are we? You see, you have to consider who we are. We are the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So what? What does that mean? That means we are loving Krishna in a way that, that no one else is. We are flattering Krishna better than anyone. No one says as nice of things about Krishna as the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. So will Krishna be attracted to them? Sure. And how seriously they're taking the Gaudiya Srimad Bhagavatam. And, you know, Madhva didn't take it that seriously. He wrote us real small, short gloss or brief commentary on it. Skipped some of the important chapters. The killing of Agasura, the whole Brahma Vimohan Leela. What do you find in Brahma Vimohan Leela? You find that the tattva of Srimad Bhagavatam is played out in the Leela. What is the principal tattva of Srimad Bhagavatam? Right. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. What do we find in Brahma Vimohan Leela? That Krishna, before Brahma, pretty important person, from whom all the Vedas come, right? He showed him that, look, universes may emanate from Vishnu, but Vishnu's emanate from me. Millions of them. Brahma's foreheads were just, he didn't know what to say. 
And then he spoke. Because Krishna didn't say anything. I mean, he became nervous. Krishna just stood still. And he made the whole scene of Aishwarya disappear. And there was just Brahma and Krishna standing in the forest. And Krishna's silent. And Brahma's just becoming nervous. In his nervousness, he spoke so many eloquent verses. And there, it's already been shown in the Leela, in those verses, he, he, he helps us to see what just took place. If you read these chapters and you didn't quite figure it out, Brahma's saying, this is what happened. He just showed me that he's the source of Narayan. In that section, one of Brahma's prayers is basically saying the exact same thing. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. This is quoted by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami in the second chapter where he's explaining this point that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. A very nice argument he's given there. So, Madhva wrote a commentary on Bhagavatam, but he, he skipped those chapters. Among other things, Ramanuja skipped the whole book. His main book is Vishnu Purana. Although, all the Puranas are saying that Srimad Bhagavatam is the supreme Purana. We're not doing anything out of, you know, extraordinary here. The other Puranas are all singing the glories of Srimad Bhagavatam. So, we go to, we take it that seriously. And we name it Srimad Bhagavatam, not Bhagavat Purana, Srimad Bhagavatam. That, that also comes in some Puranas. Srimad means the beautiful Bhagavatam, the beautiful God. And it's probably used to say, Krishna is not so beautiful standing alone, but when he's standing next to Radha, then he's truly beautiful. That is Srimad, Srimad Bhagavatam, beautiful Krishna. So the book is about Krishna. It's about Krishna's love for Radha. It's about, more than that, about Radha's love for Krishna. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to taste. And in the madness of doing that, all the rules are thrown out. What are we to do? God has gone mad. He's had an existential crisis. He saw the extent of Radha's love and he thought, maybe I'm not the king of love. The love in her exceeds anything I've experienced. Who am I? And then in the midst of this crisis, then he's pretty crafty, so he, he figured out a way to resolve the situation, try to steal her, her love. He's a dark fellow, so he went to a dark place, Kali Yuga, <coughs> to hide out. But her love is very bright and effulgent, so her followers could detect him when she said, he's taken my love. And they went after him. They found him. They made him confess. But it's his shikshastakam, his confession. So, this is the whole idea that the time of the descent of the, of the Yuga Avatar coincided with this existential crisis of Rajendranandan. Hmm? And it overflowed into the world. We should take advantage of it. That is the idea. Take advantage of it, and then you can, you can forget those rules. Not just in name only. I'll forget the rules, and then I'll say, I'm a devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but... I don't act like a devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. No, you don't follow Trinata Pisa Nichena, Tarawada Pisa You don't pursue that. You don't cultivate that. This is required. Then, proportionately, the rules are relaxed. You come under the rules of bhakti, which again are how to posture oneself in such a way as to attract the attention of Krishna. 
and then again, as I say, the sadhana here is the same as the sadhya. So, Kaviraj Goswami is saying, in Kali Yuga, that the sum and substance of everything is is the Vaishnava Shastras and the Vaishnava. So, person, book Bhagavatam, person Bhagavatam. This he says earlier on in, this, in the very first, first chapter as well. Two types of Bhagavatam, book and the person. And under their combined guidance, then, Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha, Vancha. The desire for all these things, which make up all is possible to attain in the world and beyond, immediately beyond, anyway. All the desire for all these things, which he says, I call it kaitava. I call it cheating. The desire for liberation. The desire for wealth, religiosity. The desire for uh, economic uh, improvement. All these, these are all governed by modes of nature. The desire for pleasure, tamagun, kama. Desire for uh, money means security, power, artha, dharma, artha, kama. What else I said to put? I said kama, pleasure, power, and virtue. Tabagun, adragun, satpaguna, and you covered it within this is dharma, artha, kama, and moksha, and mahabhu, prema pumarto mahan. Fifth goal of life. This is his interest. He's I mean, you have to accept the fact that this is out of the norm. This is an aberration. This stems from a problem in Goloka. God has a problem, and we're benefiting from that. So it's, I know it sounds hard to believe, <laughs> and uh, many religious people will, will object. Hmm? How can God have a problem? How can you forego these things? But Krishna said it also in the Gita. And Mahaprabhu came to show also what he meant by that when he said Sarvadharman Prithyajamamikamashadanamraja. Therefore, service to the Vaishnav scriptures and the Vaishnav, this is everything. You don't have to worry about Dharma Shastra. And what happens mostly is that people are concerned about a lot of these <coughs> things because their particular psychology and sanskar and bias, the lens through which they look at the world, finds these things more important. Let them take it as a whole, then. If you want to advocate that we should also follow the Dharma Shastra in order to be proper devotees, then there's a lot of rules there. Better get your daughter married. Early. <laughs> you may know about that rule. <laughs> it's, it's not very pleasant even to talk about. So, to balance this a little bit, of course, Bhakti Vinod Thakur, he acknowledged that this is the Paramahamsa Marg, but you, you're not a Paramahamsa, so we are affected by a particular psychology and so forth, so there should be some consideration of that, and there should be engagement and consideration of that within the context of chanting the Holy Name. And as we become freed from from that propensity by way of getting attraction for Krishna, then we're relieved of any kind of duties or whatever guidelines that might govern that. I mean, it does take a lot of sense to say that people should be engaged according to the propensity. The fact is, even if you don't do anything, they will be. Unless they get confused in Krishna consciousness 
and think, I'm a Brahmin. I must be. I should be a Brahmin. I want to be a Brahmin. They're the best, aren't they? So I should be the leader. Not that Brahmins really are ostensibly leaders, but only in the shadow kind of way, in the background. Otherwise, in the world, basically, people follow their propensities. They find jobs that work for them. And, and if, they, you know, if they're a little confused, there are people to help them sort that out. And you know, There's counseling in, in high school, what kind of job might work for you, and so forth. And so they haven't got to put a whole lot of effort into this, except when people come into Gaudiya Vaishnavism and then get confused. <laughs> then we have to teach them a little bit about Varnashram and, and how it relates to, uh, to Namsan Kirtan. But basically, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was just kind of really quite revolutionary. I mean, what, what he, socially speaking, he was a, his spiritual revolution overflowed into the social, social-religious dimension of society as well. That was what was shocking about it to people. You know, he made leaders out of Muslims like Haridas Thakur and ostracized Brahmin Hindus like the Goswamis, Rupa and Sanatan. I mean, he's making a point there. And the point is, what is the efficacy of Nam? That's what he was doing when he danced with the body of Haridas Thakur in his own hands. And with his own hands, he dug the, the samadhi and placed the body of Haridas Thakur in there and said, whoever worships this place, they will get love of God. He's saying that the body, this is the parabda, okay, as people would see it, of the manifest karma, it's gone. This body is pure. Nam has that power, not only to destroy the karma that hasn't yet come to bear fruit in our life, but that which is even bearing fruit, that's inconceivable. It's already start, It's already growing. It's like, what can you do now? It's already growing. You got, that have to play itself out anyway. This is the Gyan Mark. But in Bhakti Mark of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we're clearly taught, Nam has the power to change the Parabdha Karma. This is, try to think about it, it's inconceivable. It's already happening. It's going to change it, turn your body. Therefore, this Sadaka Deha, that is a worshipable, worshipable thing. If you do real, real sadhana, your body becomes... Worshipable by Krishna. He mentioned it himself. And Chaitanya Charitamrita mentioned. He saw the body of Sanatana Goswami oozing with the open sores. Sanatana wanted to throw himself under the wrath cart. Mahaprabhu said, Krishna is testing me. And embraced him. That's what he said. Krishna is testing me. You are a Vaishnava. Your body is pure. This is his sadhaka deha. I should not see it in terms of what it appears to be. It's not that his body didn't have those sores, but it means that his his body, the movements of his body, what he was doing, was all energized by the surup shakti. So was diksha kale, at the time of diksha, atma samarpan, when you actually do sharanagati, when you become a sharanagata, as you're supposed to at the time of diksha, but we give you a little extra time, Initiation extends over, you know, a longer period of time than just the, the moment that you hear the name or the mantra. At the time of Diksha, when you do Atma Samarpan, when you fully surrender, when you become a full Sharanagata, we talked about this stage last night, what it means to be you have Sharanagati in place. Then, Krishna makes you one with Him. And that body becomes Chid Ananda. Moi, Chidananda Moi. Chidananda means Sambit Ladini. 
you become a Sharanagata, Paramatma leaves the heart. Krishna comes in, Asakti is attained. Once Swarup is revealed, he enters into Bhava Bhakti. His body is energized by Swarup Shakti. Chidananda Mai. Krishna says, I worship that body. Vaishnava Jati Buddhi. We should not think of Vaishnava to be part of any particular caste. Vaishnava Jati Buddhi. That is Jati Buddhi. And it means it's a hellish mentality to think like that. Vaishnava is part of a particular caste. So we should be a real sadhaka. Sadhaka Deya, that is a very special thing. We don't have material bodies as much as we are actually a sadhaka. So yes, you have to take it up. That's the whole thing. As much as you take it up, you become freed from all these. It's just like the Christians. They say, well, Christ came and you know, he said, you could be, believe in me and whatever. You'll be freed and so forth. But you've got you to do that too. You don't just say it, right? That's their idea. So we're saying... Same thing. I know it's very extreme. It's like what do they call it? It sounds like antinomianism or something. It's like anti-nomianism. It means you can do no wrong or something. Like yeah, that. you can do no wrong. But hey, apichet sudaracharo, It's not. I didn't say, make it up. Krishna said it. You can do no wrong. If you love me, you can do no wrong. It's, I know it's hard to really take, but that's the nature of love. Think about it. If you really love someone, they really can't do anything wrong in your book. If they do, anyway, it's not as bad as anybody else will think. I mean, if a mother's son becomes a murderer, you know, she has to acknowledge, yes, he sinned, but. It's a huge but. <laughs> right? But he's my son, and there's so much more about him. You know, that's just a small, you know, thing, you know. He did that on one day. I've known him since, you know, he was born. He's not like that. I've got the whole experience here. Are you going to just base his, what his whole life should be on one one day? He became a little trigger happy? I mean, <laughs> it could happen to anybody. <laughs> so, this is the nature of love. You see, when we talk about love of Krishna, we're really talking about real love. It's not love of God. That's a whole different thing. That's very kind of different. Love of Narayan. Very different. Krishna falls in love with his devotees. He becomes controlled by them completely. That's what Krishna is. He becomes their son. God doesn't become your son. <laughs> he becomes your friend. He becomes your lover. So it's truly a, a doctrine of love. And therefore, like, you know, Narayana will be more impartial. <coughs> impartial. Krishna is extremely partial. If Krishna loves you and somebody else doesn't like you, then that person's in trouble. Yet he's in Krishna's bad, you know, book. Taking notes here on this guy. He's not going to get get mercy from me. This is the idea, the power of the love, excuse me, of the inhabitants of Vrindavan. This is everything. Krishna's worshipping that. Love is supreme. It's the ideal of Gaudiya Vaishnava. Not Krishna, but love of Krishna. Of course, love of Krishna and Krishna, then there's some unity in that. They're one and different at the same time. So, I mean, it's a nice way to talk about all these things. Encouraging, we should be, we should do kirtaniya sadahari. We should, you know, grihe tako, vane tako. doesn't make any difference. Sadahari bole tako. You can't leave the second part out. 
You can be a householder, you can be a monk, it doesn't matter. Don't stop there. Bhaktivinoda says, Sadahari Bole Dako. And what is Sadahari Bole? That means Trinadapis and Nichena, you have to adopt this standard of behavior. Always chant Hare Krishna, chant the name of Krishna. Then There's no safer place, Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, in the world than the kirtan of the holy name. You're protected there. You have to increase your chanting. <laughs> Think about it. So, the emphasis should be, really, that this is the doctrine of love, not that this is a doctrine of laws. That's the previous emphasis. As I said, whether it be for religious life or meditative life, experiential spiritual life, there are so many rules governing meditation also. So the, and there are rules, I mean, we can talk about it in different ways, but we come under the rules of bhakti. I like to, as I say, explain them as ways of posturing oneself so that Krishna will be attracted to you. That's just part of love. So the emphasis should be like this. This is inviting and encouraging, and this is the fact. And this, then, should... Wow, such a wonderful thing. I've had to do a few little things to go along with that. What, you know, what's the problem? But if you present it the other way, and I'm always follow these rules, and this is the system. This is, will not be as inviting, and it's really not the, the way in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went about his campaign. It's not the way Prabhupada went about it. He said, "I was experimenting with the holy name, giving it out, seeing what would happen." Yeah, I mean, he told him to follow some rules and so forth, but from the point of view of Others in his own tradition, he was breaking so many rules. They've got the women and the men dancing together in a temple. What is they're having a having a you know? It's a, he's turned a temple into a disco practically. They're dancing together in the temple. I've heard him say it some. Of them. I say you'd be lucky to be in that temple. <laughs> that kind of kirtan that he had. I mean, if you hear like this, to some extent, how generous is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? How generous is the tradition? And then you, you, you want to f- follow things. You think, that's the least I can do. You think, I really can't chant all the time. At least I can you know, follow the other guidelines that will help to draw Krishna's attention to me, or that people who love Krishna do. So, you know, I'll try to do those things. You start to feel like that. So naturally, you become compelled to follow. And this is the whole idea of love. In the sacrifice that is involved in love, the pain in, in a sacrifice that is involved in love, it disappears, right? That's love, it disappears. You'll feel there are no rules. I'm not upset it. But you will be following, you know, you will, be, you will actually be fulfilling all the rules. It all comes to that. You'll be fulfilling all the rules, exonerated. So we should make Chaitanya Mahaprabhu our deity. That is, he made us. That is very intelligent. Prabhupada told me you're a very intelligent boy. Once, so I think that's what he means. I should worship Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <laughs> live in Nadia, worship in Nadia, live in Vrindavan. So, what else? I was speaking to a devotee a couple of weeks ago about. Um having a really hard time with this Krishna consciousness and um, has a lot of physical and mental problems. And he asked me the question, is it possible to just have too much 
sin from the past to be able to be successful in this journey in this lifetime? And I, you know, answered him in a certain way, but I would like to hear maybe you speak a little bit about that. Certainly not. No, it's not. It's not possible that you could have too many sins or too bad of a background. That's the whole Lila of Jagai and Madai. That's what it's meant to tell us. I mean, they may seem pious to us, you know. <laughs> it's possible, but actually there, the idea is that there was no one who could be more sinful than them. They were pretty bad, actually. And that's the import of that, and be delivered. In fact, it's said the opposite. The more unqualified you are, the more qualified you become. This is Lochandas's plea, right? In his prayer. Oh, what does he say? My claim is first. Yeah, my claim is first because I'm most fallen. You are the deliverer of the most fallen? Here he is. <laughs> You're most qualified. Move to the front. <laughs> so, one shouldn't think like that. There may be impediments from his past, you say, physical impediments, mental impediments, and so forth. But he should, or she, should understand that the journey, as they say, is, is the goal. It's beyond the path. That's all we're interested in. Because that doesn't end. The journey doesn't end. It's not that we're going to you know, go a certain distance and sit down. No, the party keeps going. It never ends. The Leela is, is moving, it's dancing. Love is, you know, is not a still thing. It's really quite unsettling. It's like, like a roller coaster full of ups and downs. I said some of those things to him, and then he pointed out, he said that one time there was a devotee in Canada, I don't remember, Toronto or somewhere, and Paul was there, and it was, I mean, not a devotee, but somebody coming to the temple who obviously had a really severe mental condition. And Prabhupada made a comment that this person won't be able to take up this process in this lifetime. So he, that was, was you know, answering. It's only if he's a disturbance. He has to be so crazy that he's disturbing everyone else. But otherwise, Shilpala, we had people worse than what you were, it sounds like you're describing. Mm-hmm. Lots of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say, if that's just all, but from those days. So, yeah, yeah. so it, it just depends. If, if this person is going to cause everyone else lots of problems, yeah, then. But otherwise, he's copping out. He just, he's not surrendering. He can't apply that to himself. Prabhupada or one of Prabhupada's... Is he Prabhupada's disciple? No. One of Prabhupada's disciples. He must be an initiated devotee, right? He's not initiated. Oh, well. It's been around for a long time. Anyway, yeah. devotees are extending themselves to him. and They're not telling him that. So, should we listen to him? If he's so unqualified, why should we listen to him? Better he listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, there's different things that such a person can do if he can't do other things that are standard and so forth. Therefore, you have the statements like Guru that I quoted the other night. Just by wearing the garland of Krishna, the vestments of Krishna that have been handed down, we'll tread on the head of the mukta bodies easily. we walk, walk into liberation. Take prasad. Sit before the deity. Anything else? I have a question. Sometimes within like the yoga community, people will like to say that we are 
infinite, and you often say, you know, jiva is finite, and so, you know, I was just wondering how to talk to people like that, that, that insist, I don't even really know what they mean, or maybe I don't know what you mean by finite and infinite, I wonder if I could explain. Well, I think they probably mean that uh, we're God, we're the infinite, we're one in a, in a, in a simplistic sense, so we disagree with that. You could say, well, that you're infinite in this sense, that you're infinitesimal. <laughs> Something like that. It's infinite. Uh, so, you know, you have to, you'd have to start to explain our take on Vedanta a little bit. That, um, so you could say, well. One, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And, you know, we are interested in, in oneness with God, but in a dynamic way. That'll sound good. We're interested in, <laughs> in dynamic union with God. And what is that? It means union in love. And you know that in love, that if I love you and you love me, then you and I become we, not one. We become a unit. It's plural. So we're interested in the, in the plurality uh, that, that love is about, and the unity, that, the singularity that love is about. We are one in desire, but two people at the same time. It's a little bit nicer than this simplistic idea, we're all one, we're infinite, but we don't know it. The question is that if you're infinite, then... Why do you not know it? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty simple. Why are we not aware that we're infinite? If we are. Well, that's the illusion, but how does it have the power over you then, if you're infinite? Probably most people in the yoga community haven't kind of thought those things out, and Prabhupada was very intent upon schooling his, his students and scripture and so forth. So you have that advantage, but you have to find an opening. Yes? I had a question getting back to the rules. The other night we were talking about being revolutionaries and the idea that if you see something that's not right and you don't say something about it or stand up, that you're doing actually more harm than the people who are doing the wrongful mm. thing. And I was thinking about um, when we first started coming up here and getting involved, um, someone gave me a Sri Ishopanishad. And there's a list, I think there's 18 different sort of ways to be a devotee or just things that a de- devotee does, a Vaishnava. It's a, it's a process of knowledge. Well, anyway, the, the one that was sort of the tallest order for me that goes, what I wanted to ask you about was um, basically that a devotee doesn't cause anyone else distress by his actions or words. And so making the decision to, to, you know, you said the other night as well, you have to use your intellect when to speak up about things. And I just wondered if um, you don't really feel like you have the intellect to do that or you're not doing it correctly. If you find yeah, I mean, every... Yeah. You know, you have to know where you are and know your place. You may even know something, but you know it's not the time to say it here. Because this person's older than me and been involved in this longer, and all I can see he's ignorant about it. He's not going to listen to me either. So you have to be a little clever and 
intelligent. Use your power of discrimination. If you're going to be a revolutionary, then you know sometimes you got to retreat too to get more momentum to go forward. Sometimes you have to go in the back door. Sometimes you go in. You know, you get the revolution's really going. You're going to just crash down the front door. But <laughs> but uh, revolutions don't start like that. You know, just walk up and shoot the president. You know, you got to do grassroots and <laughs> so many things. So. You have to use your intelligence to determine that. The wise should not disturb the minds of the ignorant also. If you understand a person not going to... You're going to have a the result of your telling them the truth is that they're going to be propelled into greater ignorance by way of resisting and offending or something like that. Then, then you don't do that. So, Does that help? <laughs> yeah. and, and if in some instance you don't know which way to go, then you ask. Is that proper to approach that yeah. spiritual master about that? Sure. Anything else? Kodi Vashnavut Parampara ki jai, Kodi Bhaktavrinda ki jai, Kodi Premanandai.